Amen. Well, I just want to encourage you to prepare your hearts um, before the Lord as we get ready to hear Pastor Ben's message this morning. Good morning, church. If someone didn't tell you yet today, you look good. If you're wondering, you do. You look good. Um, I just want to tell you something funny really quick, all right? That Amber and I love just to be real and normal, all right? So I had a rookie mistake. You ready for this? Maybe some of you guys saw Pastor Raymond jump on the stage for a few minutes here. I'm standing in the middle of, uh, we're worshiping in the middle of the first song, and I went, this is just so awesome, and I can't wait to get up there and share what I feel like God's put on my heart. I just got to find the microphone. The microphone. Where's the microphone? I went and checked about four or five different places in the church. I'm upstairs. They're texting Pastor Raymond. He knew where it was. So if you saw me run out, that's, that was why. So I'm used to a handheld, getting more used to the headset and all that kind of stuff. But listen, this team here, I know you guys know this. This team here is incredible. This pastoral staff, I'm getting to know these guys. Every single one of them. <clears throat> that Pastor Nathan, he's a little odd. I think he comes from a weird family. But other than that, <clears throat> other than that, everybody else is, is pretty great. Um, church, I'm excited to talk to you today, to share with you what I feel like God has put in my heart. And I want to make a promise to you that every week that I stand up here, I'm just going to share what God has put in my heart. Whether it's easy to hear, whether we want to hear it, whether... It's something you're looking forward to or dreading. Every week as I prepare a sermon, I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be the words of God. I ask for his anointing. And I just say, God, I want you to speak through me. I want to be nothing more than an instrument used by you. So if you don't like it, don't take it up with me. All right? <laughs> Talk to him. You got a direct connection there. Um, we are in the middle of our foundation series. We just started actually last week. And generally in a church, a pastor will get up once a year, maybe a couple times a year, and share vision. This is where I feel like God has taken us this year. This is where I feel like God has put on our hearts for this year and things of that nature. Well, we just got here. So that's going to take a little bit of time for us to get to that place. I do feel like God has plans uh, for Northville. They're incredible plans. And it's I'm so excited and so looking forward to the next little bit uh, here at Northville, but I want to get to know you better. I want to get to know Northville better, um, and I want to just spend some time in prayer asking God, hey, God, what do you want to do here? So what we're going to do during this foundation series is just kind of talk some big picture vision, all right? Last week, we talked about how Jesus is our good shepherd. He is our cornerstone. He is the one that the foundation is built upon. You set the cornerstone first, and you go from there, right? So that is the best place to start, is with Jesus being the center of it all. Today, week two, thank you, Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck's talking back already. I like that. I want to encourage you guys to do the same. Week number two, today we are talking about the Word, the Word of God. Church, here is my prayer for Northville Christian, for you and for me, that we will have a hunger for the word of God that just cannot be quenched. There are times when I'm like, oh, I want to sit down and watch a TV show or I just can't wait to do this or I can't wait to do that. And there's something within me, right? Think about Netflix or whatever, whatever, there, there's something you want to get out on the golf course. And I'll have that feeling. And then there's other times where I'll sit down with the word. And I'm like, I have to read the word because this is what I have to do. I'm like, man, that... Although that's true, and I, I shouldn't say have to, we get to, there are countries 
in this world that wish, the people in that country wish they had access the way that we do to the scriptures. But I want that hunger in my life to where I wake up thinking of the word and I go to bed and I'm thinking of the word. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to be weird about it, all right? But I think that that's totally possible. The way that I can't wait to watch that next TV show or, you know, I can't even say DVR'd this, that's not even a thing anymore. Stream this and stream that, whatever it is. We'll go back to TiVo, really date myself. But anyway, I want to hunger for the word of God and the things of God the way that I hunger for these other things in my life, all right? So I want you to know that. I want you to know how incredibly important the word is to myself. And listen, all these things that we're talking about during this foundation series, these are things that were already important here at Northville. They were, and they will continue to be. I want you to hear what God has put on my heart about the word today. So um, I want to just talk about a few questions, though, that some people might ask. And listen, again, I like to be real. I don't like to come into church and just paint a smile on my face and act like everything is hunky-dory. Let's be real. Probably half of us were arguing with our spouse on the way into church this morning, right? Come on, I was in kids' church. I know what happens in the car on the way there. Your kids tell me, all right? I know what happens. Yeah, the, you're fixing your makeup. We had one, one little one, right? Um, the dad's dropping the, the, the daughter off, I think. And she's like, mommy's outside fixing her makeup because they're fighting on the way in. And you're like, oh, lovely. We'll pray for that later. Um, but anyway, so I just, I want to be real. And I just want to talk, I want to address some questions that I think some people have about the word of God. What do we do with this book? This book that was written so long ago, what do we do with this book today? How does it apply to me? Is it just another piece of beautifully written literature? What sets this book apart? If someone were to ask these questions of you, what would your answers be? I do think the world is asking these questions today. If you were to walk up and ask someone random on the street about the Bible, they might just think it's just another history book. But church, I am here to tell you today that this is the inspired word of God. This book is infallible. Everything about it is true, whether you want it to be or not. Whether it's easy to listen to, easy to apply, it doesn't matter. It is for you. It is for me. And we need to build our lives. This needs to be part of the foundation of our lives, not just on Sunday mornings. Every single day. This is your meal, church. This is your spiritual meal. Imagine just getting up and eating one meal a week on Sunday morning. Can you imagine? You wouldn't be very healthy, would you? Not at all. Well, spiritually, if that's all we're relying on is our Sunday mornings for someone else to take something and break it down for us, we are not growing, we are not being stronger, we're not in a healthy place. So church, this morning I'm excited to talk to you about the Word of God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Lord, I need you. I need you right now, Jesus, to speak through me. Lord, I pray that not one word that comes out of my mouth would be mine. Lord, that it would all be you. Lord, I pray that your anointing would fall in this place. Lord, I pray for the people that are listening in this room. Lord, the people that are watching online. God, I pray that our hearts would be like that good fertile soil that you talked about. So that the seeds of truth could be planted today and would grow and flourish and produce fruit. Lord, we love you. Have your way in this place. Speak to each and every one of us. 
In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 Do me a favor, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Here's the first point, the first thing I want to talk to you today is why do I need this? Why do I need this book in my life? What makes this book so important? Is it there just to collect dust? Is it there just to bring on a Sunday morning so I fit in? Why do I need this book in my life? Church, it's important for us to know the Word of God, especially in today's day and age. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the Good Shepherd, right? And he said, the sheep will know my voice. How do we hear the voice of God? Two ways. One, the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. But two, the Word of God. The Word of God. I've had people come up and ask me very practical things. They'll say, Pastor Ben, I hear you say on a Sunday morning that you felt like God put something on your heart, that you heard God. Is that the audible voice of God? What did that look like? What did that feel like? And you, you know what I encourage them to do? To dive into this. This is a letter written to you and to me. It's a love letter, but it is a letter written to you and to me. It is like our modern-day GPS. I don't know about you, but I look at things of this world, and I go, what do I do about that? What do I do with this? I have no idea. I don't need to have an idea because my ideas aren't good. But the Word of God speaks to things that we go through, and we need to apply it. How many know in this room that Satan knows Scripture? He does. And what's interesting is, and I don't know if it's just the way that we're brought up or the way that we talk, but when we, we talk about the devil, we think that he comes in with this plan that just seems so opposite of what we're doing. So you think it would be easy to figure out or easy to see. But what is interesting is that Satan has this way of twisting Scripture just a little bit just a little bit, enough to change the meaning, but just enough to where you're like, it kind of sounds right. I think that's right. Sure, let's just go with that. But how many know that if you are one degree off over time and distance, you are way off, miles off if you go long enough? So when Satan takes scripture and he goes, I know it says this, but to apply it today, we're just going to twist it just a little bit. If we know the voice of our shepherd, if we know the voice of God, if we know the word of God, I want it to be glaringly obvious to Northville Christian that, whoa, 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 that is not right. That is not what the word of God says. I actually saw something yesterday, um, and I should have wrote some of them down, but it was interesting. This, this pastor had, had posted this question on Facebook in this forum and was like, hey, what are some things that... People quote like it's scripture, but really isn't found in the word. It's amazing. And eventually, we're probably going to do a series on that, all right? And you'll be surprised, things that we say that you're like, that's not scriptural. So anyway, we'll get to that. But if we don't pay attention, something that sounds right could lead us astray. I've watched documentaries on how how cults start, right? Right? It's always intriguing to me when you hear about people that you're like, this is a bizarre situation. You believed what? And you start listening and paying attention. And these guys are quoting scripture. And you're like, 
how did they start out quoting scripture and then end up with 27 wives and they're marrying 13-year-olds and all this weird, gross stuff and compounds and all this wild stuff? It's because they're taking scripture and it gets twisted, twisted just a little bit. That's actually how the fall of man happened, right? Think back to the garden. When Satan approaches Eve, what's the question that he asked Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? If you don't know the word of God, how do you know what he really said? Our culture today is trying to ask us, ah, are you sure that that's the truth? Shouldn't we just accept everybody and everything? And can't we'll all end up at God no matter which way we go? No. That is not the way that this works. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Church, we need to do that. We need to make that part of our lives. All right, to the story. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Just the setting very quickly. This is before Jesus starts his earthly ministry. And he is in the wilderness. And he is fasting. And this is a conversation that happens between Jesus and and Satan. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Let's stop there. I've never fasted for 40 days. I'm not going to lie to you. But I cannot imagine how hungry I would be after 40 days. If I fast five days, I am... If I fast one day, I'm difficult to deal with. Ask my wife. I get hangry. Anybody else get hangry? You know those Snickers commercials, right? Like you're not acting yourself here, eat this Snickers. Our daughter, she's funny. Our daughter Peyton, it'll be 6.30 and she just gets grouchy, right? We call her the beast because she gets really mad and grouchy. I mean, she's, she's this big. She's the cutest little thing. But she gets hangry. She becomes not herself very quickly. So Jesus is fasting 40 days 40 nights, imagine how weak he must feel physically. Imagine where he's at. I'm sure in his mind he's thinking all sorts of weird thoughts. Have you guys ever seen the show um, on, I think it's History Channel, called Alone? Have you ever seen Alone? Anybody watch that? A couple of you guys? Alone is crazy because they put these people in the middle of nowhere and they're surviving off just what they find, but they will starve themselves. And what's interesting is the tricks that, that you start playing on yourself in your own brain. So I, I cannot imagine what Jesus is going through and how weak he must feel. And that is when Satan approaches him. Church, back to what I was saying before. You would not skip a meal or you would not skip food just casually for 40 days. You shouldn't go any length of time without this. Amen? He is, Jesus is being approached when he's at his weakest. If you are finding that you are facing a lot of temptation, you know what that should draw you to do? Be in the word of God. Be in the word of God. This is the meal that you need. Verse three, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan is approaching Jesus, and he's saying, dude, just eat some bread. Just eat some bread. Now, 
quick story, something that I just want to share with you. This, if I was tempted with fresh baked bread, oh my gosh, that is a weakness for me. My grandma used to live a half a mile away from where I grew up. And if she knew that we were coming over, she would bake me my own loaf of bread. And I would break that thing open and just eat it. I love freshly baked bread. So when I read this, I'm like, oh my word. I would love some freshly baked bread after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights. So Jesus, interesting, Jesus being God, he could have handled this so many different ways, right? He could have been like, bink, and the devil gone flying, you know, whatever, and that, that's the end of that. But what did he choose to do? He goes back to Scripture. He quotes Scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3. He didn't quote all of 1 through 3, but what he quotes is in there. I want to read that to you this morning. The whole commandment I command you today, you shall be careful to do. And you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land the Lord swore to give you to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. And he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his command or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is Moses talking to the people before they go into the promised land. And he is stressing the importance of the word of God. Don't forget the importance. Don't forget. We don't live just by the food that we eat, we live by the bread that comes from heaven, the bread, the, the word of God. Back to Matthew 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan is quoting scripture here. When he's doing that, though, do you know what he's doing? He is testing the faithfulness of God. That's what he's doing. He is testing the faithfulness of God. Well, this is what it says. You should just be able to throw yourself down, and the angels are going to come and catch you, and you'll land softly. But Jesus combats that with this in verse 7. And Jesus said to, get to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I always thought that this part was interesting. And until diving, really diving into it this week, I was like, why would Jesus, like, I, I don't understand how the devil is tempting him in this way. But you know what he's doing right here? He is giving Jesus a different route around the cross. Jesus knew why he was here. And it was to take your sins and my sins to the cross and pay a price. And the devil is saying, you don't have to do it God's way. You can do it this way. I'll give you everything that you see. Just worship me. 
Church, Satan is going to do that to us. We're going to know what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And he's going to come in with some other easier way that's not a part of God's plan. And finally, Jesus gets fed up, and we read in verse 10, Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Why do we need this book? Why do we need the word of God? Jesus shows us. Temptation is going to come our way. Not every so often. Open up your phone, temptation. Turn on the television, temptation. Stand in line at the grocery store, temptation. Get a phone call from a friend who wants to talk about a different friend, temptation. Temptation, temptation. Everywhere that we turn, Satan is trying to trip us up. And how did Jesus combat temptation? With the word of God. That is why we need the word of God in our lives. We need to be strong, church. We need to be strong. The word of God gives us strength to resist temptation. To know when you're hearing God's voice versus Satan's voice, you got to be in the word of God. Psalm 119 talks about how God's word is a light to my feet and a lamp to my path. Church, I really want to encourage you. Do not rely just on Sunday mornings to crack open your Bible. We should be in this, consuming this every single day. Point number two, what do I do with this? What do I do with this book? Okay, read it, but what do I, how do I apply this? What do I do with the Word of God? Church, God didn't leave us, Jesus didn't leave us just totally defenseless. We read in Ephesians 6, Paul is talking about the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. And then he gets to the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. So we're not just here playing dodgeball, dodging all Satan's arrows, and we have nothing to combat him with. We have the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that, that beginning phrase there. Living and and active. This isn't something just for yesterday. This isn't something for a long time ago. It is living and active, and it is meant to be used. The Word of God is called a sword. It's called a sword, and it's meant to be used. When I was <clears throat> preparing this sermon today, it actually took me back to when I was a kid in Royal Rangers. Do we have any former Royal Rangers in here? We got a few. You guys will know what I'm talking about then. In Royal Rangers, we had to earn a cut and chop card. Cut and chop card. Now what that means is we would sit down with our commanders and they would teach us the proper way to use a knife. The proper way to use a hatchet. The proper way to use an axe. But you had to have that card while you're in that class to even touch anything with a blade on it. 
You weren't allowed to touch it without that card because it meant you were trained properly. You know safety. You know what to do with it. You know how to use it. We would take camping trips. We did a, a, a canoeing trip down the Rifle River, and we'd go and have wood, and we're messing with things and whittling things and all that, and you had to have that cut and chop card in order to be using a knife or, or things like that. That's where my mind immediately went back to when I'm thinking about a sword. I could give my two-year-old daughter a sword. Doesn't mean she knows how to use it. We would all be in trouble, actually, if my daughter was running around here with a sword. I don't know what she'd do. She's crazy. But church, this is meant to be used in our lives. Not just read and gone, oh, that's nice. That's a nice little poem. That's a nice thought for the day. That makes me feel good. This is meant to be used. Turn over in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. As you're turning to 2 Timothy 3, I'm going to give you a little context here. First and 2 Timothy are letters written from Paul to Timothy. Timothy is currently ministering at a church in Ephesus as Paul writes these letters. Now, Paul is facing imminent death. He knows his time is coming. He knows his time on this earth is short. So he's writing these letters to someone that he really loves. It's interesting when you read about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Paul loved Timothy. At one point, he called him his true son in the faith. It appears that Timothy is Paul's favorite. He's not just an employee, not just a typical apprentice. He loved Timothy. So as we're getting to the end of 2 Timothy, this is the last known book that, that Paul wrote, the last one that we know of that Paul wrote. He knows his time is coming to an end. So you would think the things that he's going to share are incredibly important to him. If I knew that I didn't have long on this earth, I would constantly be talking to my children. Mick, come here. Let me tell you something. When this happens, this is what I want you to do. This is what's important in life. No matter how you feel or how things look, this is what I want you to do. I would be sharing all these heartfelt things. And especially the closer it's getting to the end. Son, listen to me. I want to share this with you. You need to know how important this is. That's what I would do. So Paul is sharing these important things with Timothy. And he is getting towards the last couple chapters. And we're going to read several verses here. Because I really want you to catch it all. We're going to start reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. Paul says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of Pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. Does any of this sound familiar, church? He's describing 2022. 
So if Timothy should be paying attention, and he's not even around in 2022, I think we should really be paying attention to what comes next. We're going to drop down to verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here it is, church. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm going to read that last part again because it's very important. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to keep reading. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead... And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Time out. Let's look at that again. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. I want to talk about that for a minute. Church. Whether your name is Pastor Raymond or your name is Bob Smith, you are called to preach the word. Even if pastor's not in front of your name, it does not matter. You are called to preach the word and to be ready in season and out of season. I want to give you a quick illustration. If I need to lift something heavy and I look like this, I can't go, give me a second, let me go do 50 push-ups, I'll come back, bulk, you know, just like huge. That's not going to work. Church, it's the same thing. We need to be in the Word of God so that we are ready in season and out of season. So when that coworker calls and says, I am dealing with this and I do not know what to do, you are ready in season and out of season. When you are in the grocery store line and the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, I want you to share the love of God. I want you to pray over that person that you are standing in front of. You are ready in season and you are ready out of season. No matter what we face, we are ready to go. You can't go, hey, just one second, let me go pray for a couple hours, I'll be right back. The same way that 50 push-ups wouldn't help me lift a car, I want to be ready in season and out of season. I want to focus on this next portion of scripture as well, though. Correct, rebuke. We're really good at correcting and rebuking. And encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Encourage with great patience and careful instruction. This sword is not meant to beat your neighbors over the head with. Can I tell you something? I tried it the other way. I know I referenced this in a previous message, but when I was a teenager, I used to get on AOL Instant Messenger. Again, I'm dating myself. But I would get on there and I would pick fights with people who like would check the box whether no matter what religion they were. And I'm quoting scripture. I'm like, I'm ready. Let's do this. Come on, enter the ring with me. Do you know how many converts came from that? 
None. Not one. I do want to be ready in season and out of season. But for the people that don't know, it's the love and the kindness of God that attracts them. It's the kindness, it's the goodness of God. I've tried, again, I've tried beating people over the head with this who don't know God, who don't know anything about God. We were challenged one time at a youth retreat growing up. And this evangelist, I'm not trying to speak bad about anybody, but he challenged us. He said, I want you to go to school tomorrow, stand on the table, and I want you to say, you're all going to hell unless you accept Christ. And wait for them to come and talk to you about accepting Christ. Well, I chickened out. But I had a friend who did it. And I asked him, how'd it go? He said, not good. (laughs) Not good. Nobody asked me anything. Then you become the weirdo that no one wants to talk to. I'm not saying we water down the gospel church. I'm not. But it is the goodness and it is the kindness and it is the love of God. The gospel is the good news. The gospel isn't the rebuke and the correcting and all that stuff. That is meant for the religious. The people that already know, that's when Jesus would be like, who did Jesus get frustrated with in Scripture? The people should, that should already know, right? I'm not saying don't preach the truth. We absolutely should. And people should know. But you should say it in love, okay? This isn't a hippie message. Don't look at me like that. You can love people and still say the truth with great patience and careful instruction. Verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Sound familiar? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... You, Northville Christian, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Church, it is important for us to be in the Word of God, ready to use the Word of God. It is meant to be used. My third and final point this morning is this. To what end? What's it all for? Why do we have this book, really? I have a nephew, when, when I was writing this and coming up with the third point, to what end, it made me think of my nephew, and my nephew would always go, for why? For why? Everything, like, no matter what you ask him to do, for why? And I'm like, for why? What do you mean, for why? But to what end? What is the point? Why do we want to get into the Word of God? Church, I want to tell you, when you let the word of God into your life and, and you consume it the way that you are meant to, there is a change that takes place in you. The word of God changes you. We need to study the word. We need to submit to the word, but we need to apply the word. I want to read James 1, verse 21 through 25. says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth, and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If you came here this morning to leave here just to feel better, just to check off a box, you are here for the wrong reason. The Word of God is meant to change us and change us to the core. The areas of our lives that we don't want anybody knowing about. The areas of our lives that are embarrassing, that are tough. There are times when I read the Word of God and I go, ouch, that hurt. Because that's me and I'm struggling with that. Jesus said, Luke eleven twenty eight, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. I don't want to be someone like James is talking about, where I look at myself in the mirror and walk away and forget what I look like. I don't want to be the type of person that walks into Northville Christian on a Sunday morning and hears a word an inspired word, something that God put on a pastor's heart and to walk away and not apply it to my life. That's not what I want. I don't want to be the type of person that we read about that just wants to hear what I want to hear. Don't tell me that if that's tough. If it's a tough word, I don't want to hear it. I just want to hear what I want to hear. I just want to hear what lines up with my theology, not God's theology. That's tough for me, because I don't know what to do with that. There are times that we, we will read a scripture and we don't know what to do with it, so we discard it. That's not what we should be doing, church. When you come up to a scripture and you say, I have no idea how this applies to me today in 2022, can I encourage you to do something? Dig deeper. Dig deeper. Go to someone that you know and love and trust that has spiritual maturity and ask them. And maybe they won't know and maybe, I, I don't know, I've never seen that. Let's look together. Allow the word of God to change you, to change what you think is important. Allow the word of God to change the way that you look at people Love people, judge people, think about people. Let the word of God change the way you are at work. Let the word of God affect the way that you parent. Church, this is not just something that we read and go, that's nice. This is something that we say, man, this is going to be surgery. God is going to just dig deep down inside of me and take these things out. It is meant to be applied. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer of God's word. 
I want Northville Christian to be a doer of God's word when it's easy and when it's hard. Whether we see the results or maybe we don't see the results. Whether we're planting seeds or whether we are harvesting. I want to be a doer of God's word no matter what. It won't make you popular. I want to warn you. People won't like it. I want to warn you. But I want this book to change my every day. That's what I want. Church, will you stand with me this morning? This is what we're going to do. We're going to go back into a song. And this is going to give us an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in our lives. That's why we're doing this. Our pastors during this song are going to come forward and they're going to be here to to pray with you. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, that scrawny guy is pretty fiery about all this kind of stuff. And there's something within me that is telling me that I need a relationship with this God that he is talking about. I love talking to people that are newly saved to, to listen to them try to explain what God is doing. And I had this feeling and I, I, they're, they're searching for words and we've all been there. But maybe that's you today and you're like, there's something within me that is telling me what this guy is saying is true. There's something within me that's telling me that I need to give my life to, to God, to Christ. Our pastors are going to be up here to pray with you, to talk to you about that decision. But I also want to open the altars. Whether that's an altar where you're sitting or whether that's up here. Maybe you were convicted today, not by me, but by the Holy Spirit, where you're saying, you really haven't been in the Word the way you need to be. You haven't really been looking at the word like a love letter, like I intended. You're not, you're reading it, but you're not applying it. Whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you today, I want to encourage you, respond to that. Take the time and respond to it. Don't just think this feeling will pass. It will. You'll eventually ignore it. Don't do that. Allow the word of God to change you this morning. Will you pray with me, church? God, I'm so in love with you, and I am so grateful for your word. I am so grateful that you didn't leave us here without instruction, direction, guidance. I'm so thankful that you inspired men to put pen to paper and write a letter to me. God, I pray that the word of God would change me to the core. I pray that it would change the areas of my life maybe that I've been stubborn about. That the word of God would be a filter that I would run every decision through in my life. God, I pray for a hunger for your word, for every person, for those watching online, for those in this room, God, I pray that it would just, the way that we hunger for physical food, we would hunger for the word of God in our lives. Jesus, we love you. I pray that your word would change.